Welcome to today's podcast, my co-host Karen. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm Chuck Marble, by the way. I'm doing great. It is really fall weather here. We are at 64 degrees and our low is predicted tonight at 48. Wow. Yeah, it's about that weather. Yeah, well, we had 69 this morning, but it's going up to 96. On the other hand, we're going to have 58 by the weekend, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that, and I can start wearing my wool kilts as well as my regular kilts. So it's exciting times. You know, as, as we, I was preparing to talk today for us, our discussion, um, there's so much going on with the former president, and that's what's going to be the focus of, of almost everything we do today. But I came across this one thing about a guy named John Gibbs. Uh, it is rare to find a super conservative, a black Republican. It's even more rare to find one who had a college background and educated and everything and who wanted to repeal the 19th Amendment. Now, as every woman knows right now, or ever should know, uh, right now women's rights are under attack from uh, body autonomy to to voting rights and, and to uh, contraception and to all kinds of things. Uh, there's many in the MAGA group which prefer to keep you guys barefoot and pregnant. And they're doing everything in their power, particularly to keep you pregnant. But this man, back in, in college days, set up a group that talked about repealing the 19th Amendment. Now I guess he's trying to walk back what he says, but I'm just amazed that this, this day and age that any person, let alone a, a minority person, who's trying to take away rights from somebody who fought for those rights for a long time. The, the belief that women are incapable of running uh, anything in government is appalling to me, let alone just the vote. I mean, we have seen Golda Meir do a great job, uh, job in Israel. We, we saw Margaret Chamberlain, the Iron Lady, being able to do a great job in, in, in Britain. We had a queen for 70 years that people loved and adored. Let, uh, and her son, not so much probably. So, and we've had other countries. We are one of the rarity out there. We've never had a woman leader. And and that's a sad thing. The closest we got is, is Kamala Harris as vice president. And to think about taking care of those, taking away those rights is disgusting. What is also important to note that this isn't a 60 or 70 year old man. This is somebody that was in college in the early 2000s saying these things. So this is definitely an outlier in this generation. And I would say an outlier in general. I think there's this weird ultra right-wing group that's talked about things like that. And it always strikes me as funny when it's a woman that does it. Like men, you're kind of like, yeah, they're idiots. But but when women do it, that's probably the only thing more infuriating than this guy. It's like, wait, you're right to be able to stand there on that platform and say that. It will be removed if you go down the road you're talking about. But what was especially infuriating is he pretty much in the article I read about him yesterday said that uh, women voting, working, and driving is what is what has led to the downfall of our society. We've been things have been much worse since women were able to vote. In his mind, which I think is a interesting statement for someone to say who wasn't alive that whole time. He's not basing that on anything other than a very narrow view of history, and people with an agenda to push if that's where if that's the conclusion he's come to he's not looking at the whole story 
In all honesty, I would love to see a woman become president. I don't think they could do anywhere, anywhere. I know they couldn't do any worse than number 45 did, and, and probably much better than half or more of the presidents. It's time, it's time to, to, get, to have somebody who has a little bit of empathy and compassion and, you know, less likely to send our young men and women into, into war. And it's, it's very frustrating. But why, that, that's why, enough. Why, 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 I, need you, I need you to clarify. Why, why do you think a woman is less likely to send anybody into war? I think that they would think more about the what it causes. That Not that if it came down to it, they wouldn't be any less to do the right thing. I'm just, I'm just I, thinking I, that they might, might think twice, a little faster when they're sending their children children to war. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a generational thing. I don't know. I just think that people get in this mindset that, you know, women are more of a caregiver type and more nurturing than men, which is actually not true. And I find that to be more harmful towards men. We're talking about there's not even changing tables in men's restrooms everywhere, which is pretty crappy for single fathers and widowed mm -hmm. men with children. What are they supposed to do? You know, it's, yeah, not, there's a lot, a lot more stay at home dads than people realize. Well, you know, I hadn't thought of that point of view, but yeah, that, all, all that is so true. I'm just saying that I think that women would be, would think more about things. In fact, women, because they use both sides of their brains, generally think about everything better than men do. And I think that uh, not all men, not all women. I mean, you know, the, the, the only truest statement you can make about men and women is to, at this point anyways, the, the absolutely strongest man is slightly stronger than the absolute strongest woman. But every other basis is nothing, nothing is true. And that's a pure strength. But, you know, to, just to finish up on this one, several years, many years ago now, I went to watch, uh, I went to uh, watch training at Marine Corps uh, Base Paris Island. And the people who were in there said, you know, there is a big difference when they have this thing called the crucible, which is like the final test before you can be before you get the lobe and anchor and and it's like a, a 48 hour thing you march five miles you, and you have to do all these tasks and they said the difference between men and women men tried to barrel through it and more of them failed women tended to find a way to work together to be successful so more women on the average were successful killing the crucibles men were which i think was a very interesting viewpoint but it's true i think women are more think things through better than they, they're more, they, they try to say women are more emotional. And that's not true. Okay. No, that's definitely so, I, hope, I hope that clarifies things a little bit better for you. Yes. I okay, just want to make sure that you weren't buying into that argument. No, about I'm not. Being emotional. No, 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 no. Uh, basically the past 48 hours have been hell for Donald John Trump. He, of all the, the, the times that he's been turned away with the 2020 election, right from the day, early days after the election, including many judges he appointed, and every time they ask for one thing, they ask for evidence. And when no evidence was, was obliged, they said, it's done. They threw him out. Some of them were ridiculously trying to do, do things. In 60 cases for the election, they did that. Uh, the former president found one of his appointees who covered for him, 
who gave him more than he deserved, and that was Judge Cannon. Well, they put a master, and it was one of the two people that Donald Trump asked for, and this master took them to task because they could not prove anything about those classified documents. They could not prove that, that he had, in fact, declassified them. So he said, I'm not going to worry, worry about that uh, on that, that point on it. And we're not going to fool around with listening to you. If you get, don't have it, the evidence, then I'm going to take that there's no evidence and, and decide in favor of the DOJ. That was wonderful to begin with. And then we get into the, into the nice afternoon and the appeals court, two Trump appointees and one Democrat appointed judge were on the three that were, were drawn for that, unanimously said that the DOJ can go back in and take all the classified documents out and start working on the criminal probe. Those are two wonderful, wonderful things that happened over the past 48 hours. We'll get to some more in a minute, but I don't want to want to do this while you're getting your input into it, too. What do you think? I, first off, with uh, Judge Cannon, I we talked a little bit about the whole Josh Duggar case, and the judge in that case has been sometimes lean, more lenient than you would like. But at the same time, with the judge doing that, it eliminates some of the ability for Josh Duggar's defense team to come back and say that they were treated unfairly or unjustly or, you know, without due process, whatever. So part of me thinks that, that she's trying to do this just right. She's not a lackey. She's trying to say, okay, let me give him the benefit of the doubt in the, in these handful of situations, because maybe based on things that we haven't seen, maybe it's possible. It might be really outlandish, but maybe in some way it's possible. And if she allows all of that to all play out to this logical conclusion of what is possible, but then it's proven to not have happened, nobody can come back at her and say it was some sort of political hit. She's let it all play out in a way where everything that his team claimed was proven to be wrong. But she gave them the opportunity to go down the road. And so that way when this all comes out the way that it seems like it's going to come out, that he did have documents that were not declassified. He should not have had there. He cannot say, well, she just did whatever. She didn't, she didn't give me a chance. No, she, she absolutely gave you every chance, every benefit of the doubt that you could have had. And you still got taken to task by the DOJ. You're still guilty of having documents you shouldn't have had. So part of me thinks it's that the other part of me thinks she's a lackey and she's just trying to help him out. So it'd be interesting to see how it plays out because I can see that going either way. Well, you know, and what the, the appeals court basically said that it should not matter about reputation. Also, one of the important things the appeals court did is keep the Trump lawyers from seeing those classified documents. And that is big because, he, because number one, this, this is not part of an indictment yet. So they have no right to, to see these things until there's an indictment. They had no right to be a part of this. That's what the master's job is to do, to make these, make these declarations. And by pulling them and, off by the, by the appeals court saying, okay, you guys can take, take these classified documents 
and do what you got to do with them. You know, make sure that, that, that there's no damage to the national defense on this, which is a really scary thing, because they could very well be, because those documents open to anybody who, who come across, and who knows what he said to people. Saying, oh, I got the classified documents, you know, telling the wrong people. And we know we can trust him to keep his mouth shut. Not. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the other, the other thing is that they can keep on going with that criminal thing. And the thing is, the truth of the matter is, the DOJ is going to follow that policy of not coming up to any indictments or any uh, decision making until after the midterms. Because they don't want to, they want to, don't want to show that political end. Right, exactly. And I I don't feel like the timing worked out to be right before the midterms, you know, with the search in August and all of that. I really feel like that was just the way the process went because they showed multiple attempts by the National Archives to get back documents that the archives had a list of. They weren't just like taking a stab in the dark. They had lists of missing documents that they needed to get a hold of. And, you know, with classified documents, you know, say for a mission, we have mission materials and we print them out for seven people. Every piece of paper is labeled one of seven, two of seven, like each set of each paper is labeled. And when you do your classified inventory at the end of the night, you have to make sure that you have one through seven or in order of each document. And, and it's, it's a process that you do every time you check it before you take it, you check it on the plane when you're handing it out, you check it when everybody hands it back in and you check it before you put it in the binder. So, you know, they have a list of what he has and they may have come across other things. If he snatched copies that he wasn't supposed to have and they forgot to get them and maybe they're not as good about labeling in the white house. Who knows? They might've just been not great with classified, which is terrifying because of the level that they would have there. But they tried to get those documents for him for six months. They talked to Mark Meadows. They talked to different people that have been appointed as like the records contacts for the archives. So the, the timing on this is, is Trump's team's fault. They've been trying for a long time to get those documents. So not a political hit at all. Well, and you go back to to it that several of them, including Cipollone, said told him, "You must turn these documents over to archives before you leave the as soon as you're out of this this position." That by January, I think it was twentieth, those documents had to be turned over to the archives. There was no ifs or ands or buts about it. They, he was told, and he can't play any other game because he was told multiple times in so many areas Another that he says, "Oh, I don't know," but uh, yeah, he was told. Another thing that nobody is really talking about, but that I caught in the list of things removed from Mar-a-Lago are, it said clothing items slash gift. You as the president, you don't get to keep the things that you're given. Those things belong to the country. And I know that the Clintons at some point had inadvertently taken some things that they also had to return. You know, you don't get to keep like this sword or, you know, this hat or this whatever, this scarf from this African country, that's the property of the citizens of America. You don't get to have that. No, that stuff goes to the Smithsonian. Yeah, that stuff goes to the Smithsonian. That's obviously a lot less less significant than, you know, U.S. secrets, but it's still not something that he's just supposed to have. And to think that that's mixed in with classified documents 
just sounds like it's a bunch of crazy people getting evicted, throwing everything in the boxes as they're running out the door. Well, that's about what it was. I think that's how we could think about him, that he was evicted because he certainly did not want to leave. And also, no, we go, go ahead. his lawyers wanting access to the documents, like, I saw that the special master, Deary, said that need to know still falls into play here, and you don't need to know. Like, what the actual document is, I don't think matters if they need to know. Was this document declassified? Yes or no. Was this? Is, do you have proof that this document was declassified? Yes or no. No. Okay. That counts against you so what it is doesn't matter here's the the really good thing about what the appeals court did too it took the pressure of deary off on those hundred documents he's not even going to see them because he said i'd I'd rather not see them i'd rather not know what's in them and you know we talked about about that before the with this this fisa his fisa experience he understood that that on the need to know as you said well, that, that would be a bad enough for 48 hours. However, we have a lot more going on. Let, let's, let's, let's go from the bottom up. January 6th committee meeting again in a public hearing, 1 o'clock on the 28th. They, this, they believe, they're telling us at this point, this will be the last public hearing before they make their, their uh, public uh, report. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be very interested in seeing how that, how that goes. The second long thing that has been going on is the investigation by uh, this Fanny in Georgia, and she's a DA for one of, the, one of our counties, one of our largest counties. And she's gone into a lot of detail on the Trump and the Trump syncophants that, that were involved in that, trying to, to change uh, who the electors are going to be from Georgia and, and other states. The sad thing about about that is that they still had the opportunity to go in and mess with uh, some of the machines. And again, the machines are used by multiple states. So there's an ability to perhaps hack into those machines. And in Arizona, they had to spend like $10 million to replace all the machines that that cyber group were, were doing who had no experience. And they still, they gave more votes to Biden before it was done. It just shows how it goes. So there's a lot going on. If that wasn't bad enough, the whole Trump organization is now in the spotlight of the New York State Attorney General, perhaps the Southern District Federal Court, and even the IRS. And by some miracle, maybe that DA in Manhattan will get some stones and and go after him as well because she... Letitia James, they're from uh, New York State, who campaigned originally on the act that she was going to get these things that Trump knew because she knew these he was doing things, and who has that political taint because of that. It doesn't take away from what she found and what she what she's gave to them over two hundred pages, two hundred pages of things that he did wrong. 200 objects, actually. Now, i tell you something. If you're a real estate appraiser and you uh, were appraising for, for a client and they said, okay, I want my house to be worth more. I want you, want you to say, my house is, is 10,000 square feet, but I want you to say it's 40,000 square feet. Now, you, can, you go out and you advertise this as 40,000 square foot place and, and I want $300 million for it. 
You think they're going to do it? Of course not. They're not going to do it. That is just one thing. She went out and said, look, no apartment in New York City has ever sold for more than $300 million. We can go in and measure your apartment, your triplex in there, and know that it's only 11,000 square feet. Fraud, fraud, fraud. But I mean, I, I feel like in a way, everybody sort of knew that, that he was a businessman like that. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I knew since the 90s that, you know, he used bankruptcy as a tool, not like, not like how, you know, you think about it as like a seven year ruiner of your life. It was a tool that he used to sort of like gather up his money in a way that he didn't have to pay people, you know, and tie people up in litigation that they can't afford and then you don't pay them. It's like, then you don't pay your lawyers either. Like it's, it's a really weird situation. Uh, what I read about this too, was if, if found guilty that the Trump, Trump and the Trump kids will not be able to ha have business in New York state. Yeah. And, and they, they, as in any way, shape, they can't be any part of any business in New York state. And if the IRS gets on, there's going to be some issues on that. On the, the $250 million is the minimum. They, it could get into the billions if it goes to court, when it goes to court. We don't know. If, they, if it goes to a jury trial, a jury trial may get, say, look at what he's tried to get away with. Forget it. Look at all the billions that we're involved in here. I it mean, would be so uh, hard to do a jury trial on Donald Trump. The level of overexposure that this man has had since the 70s, 80s is you'd have to bring Amish people that have never <laughs> watched a TV and that are like 22 years old. That's who you well, have to this? bring. Well, see, the nice yeah, thing, the nice thing in a civil trial is a whole different ball of wax that is, you can go along with that. And the fact that he and uh, Eric took the Fifth Amendment they emphasized that yesterday and everything because they took the Fifth Amendment. They can have an adverse effect on the verdict because they presume, and Trump himself said that before about the Fifth. He said when somebody takes the Fifth, they admit they're guilty. Well, look at the amount of time you're taking the Fifth. You're guilty. There's, there's, there's no two ways about it, you know? It, it's, it's just unwilling, like when he was unwilling to release his taxes, like that to me right there tells me everything I need to know about him and financial fraud. Well, we used to love going to, to Atlantic City. In the beginning, when we first started going that way, we go on a Saturday morning and come back Saturday night, a one day trip. And finally, after retiring, we started going and spending, spending overnights there and sometimes three, four nights. And he single handedly destroyed the casino business in uh, in Atlantic City, as he did an airline, as he did his wine, as he did his steaks, as he did the Trump University. He did all these kinds of things because he is one, if we could be, say the Trump family and those that's closely associated have one thing. They are one thing. They are grifters. They use other people's money, put the other people's money on the line, and very rarely do they lose money themselves? They make sure they're covered for everything. They are nothing better than a whole family of grifters. And I'm sorry they could say wonderful things about Ivanka and all and the others, but there's they were all knowledgeable of what was going on. They all lied. Well, we don't make get things from China. Well, made in China. 
all these kinds of things. And the thing of it is, is, is he doesn't help himself. He had a rally the other day, and they were playing the QAnon anthem in the background. Now, if there's anything crazier than Trump, it's the QAnon. That, that supposedly this person, Q, is, is, is an inner worker in the government somewhere and knows every secret there is to know. And this cable of cannibalistic liberals eating babies. I mean, and the thing is, it is so ridiculous that it should be thrown out of the hand. And yet a man went with a, with a semi-automatic weapon to this pizza parlor where supposedly all this was in Washington, D.C., as ready to shoot it up and, and go after people. So people are willing, they've got people so psyched up about this fraud, this whole thing. It and just it was, is so scary. And like they said, a lot of celebrities in Hollywood, they're part of it. And they were like, Tom Hanks. I'm like, Tom Hanks eats babies? That's like America's dad. Like, and then when he had COVID, they said he was taken away and he disappeared because they had caught him. And he was going to go to some secret place and be killed publicly. Well, that hasn't happened. Mm. It's been two years, and I'm still waiting for Tom Hanks to be killed publicly. You know, like, it's nuts. And I don't know, I'm sure you heard about that other crazy theory that they all went to the grassy knoll in Dallas and hung out there. Oh. And, you know, uh, JFK's son was going to rise from the dead and appoint Trump supreme leader of all the land. And people went there and slept there and were 100% believed that that his son was coming. JFK Jr. himself was coming and to appoint Trump the supreme leader. The Kennedys are Republican, are not Republican. They're Democrats. What, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, you only have you only have one nutcase that is, is a conservative I mean, like, mega. And that's, that's the part that I'm like, he was a Democrat. Not even he's dead. He's not coming back from the, the dead to the grassy knoll of all places. But then they said he wasn't really dead. That he was taken away because he's like the uh, the other supreme leader or something weird like that. It was like no, no, he died in a plane crash because he overestimated his abilities to fly in a small plane in the storm. That's that's a fact. Yeah, that's probably the same. Probably the may also believe that John that, that his father was still alive too. That he was being maintained to to put the uh, um, the the print on that the former president number forty five was was going to become the supreme leader, and that's the truth that he wants to become the supreme leader. It just shows, you know, the problem that that we all had from the Republican Party in in two thousand sixteen forward is Trump was always such a joke in the New York scene. Regis Philbin, who was a pretty good friend and, and buddy of his, used to make fun and call, he called him the Donald. If you look yeah. at him in the movies, he comes off as, as a really odd figure. I mean, and I can see like, at one time he, he yeah, was, at one time he was relatively attractive, but oh, oh. He was good friends with Howard Stern and Howard Stern turned against him. Yeah. Well, when he Howard was good Stern for it. Says when Howard Stern says you're too much, like, that's saying something. Howard Stern well, is pretty out there. He used to be. Morning, Morning Joe. They, he, they, he was a guest on, on, their, on this show for years. And then 
they started seeing what he was like as a politician. They said, no, back off. And look at how, how he turned on them. Look at what the thing he said about, about, about his now wife. I, the man does not know how to behave. He is a, a, a boy in a fat man's clothing. And there's not much we can say. He, he constantly makes statements that, that make no sense. And they listen to him like, like he's a god. And that, that drives me crazy, too, because uh, people who claim to be Christians are not following anything that they should be. I mean, one of the, the important things that Jesus said is to be humble. And in the great commandment, he says, you know, love the, the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and body, and soul. And the second part is like this, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that these two commandments rest all the law. Not the twelve, not the not the twelve the ten commandments, not all the Jewish law and Torah and everything else, but that basic thing. And I think that the problem that of, of his time, of Jesus' time, is is the problem that many people have today, is they want a conquering hero. And he came, and, and, and Trump came off as his conquering hero. Oh, I'm going to take care of all yours. He did squat good for this country. I don't think we can all honestly say there was one long-lasting positive thing that he did that I can think of. There might, I'm sure there were one or two things that might have been, been better than they were, had been before. I mean, one of the things, I, I'll, I'll be honest, there's a lot of presidents in my lifetime that have gotten reputations bigger than they deserve. John F. Kennedy comes in. John F. Kennedy, so many people who never was there when he was president and before, think he's he's the greatest thing ever lived. He was not a great president. He might have been a great president if he would have had a second term. We don't know. It might have changed things about Vietnam and everything else. Ronald Reagan, a saint to many Republicans, did a lot of bad things for this country. Part of the reason we had had this mortgage crisis in 2008 had to do with Reagan deregulating banks, allowing banks to get into risky investments that they shouldn't have been. And the same thing, Obama had the makings of a good president, but I would never consider him a great president. He's in the middle of the road president. Is Biden going to be a great president? Biden may be a very good president before he gets done. I don't know. We don't even know he's going to, going to even try for two terms. But yeah. we can honestly say that Donald John Trump, historians in the future and people today, hi, little kitty, are going to say that he is among the bottom five, if not the bottom three, if not the bottom of, of it. And as constantly as we look at this, Man, through different lenses, we're seeing how bad that 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 how dangerous he is. My own feelings: had he been been president after 2020 and Putin wanted to take over Ukraine, it would be Russian control today, and we wouldn't have had have a closer U, uh, United uh, NATO. And in fact, expand in NATO. I mean, every major country in Europe, with possible exception of Switzerland, including Sweden, who has been uh, neutral for 300 years, wanting to join NATO. So there's a lot of miss on things. Um, 
We could bring up Putin, but I, I don't really want to get in, into that because That's Putin alone and Ukraine war is, is his own own thing. And that may be one of the things we're going to do with the future. As I hinted a little bit about in, in, in the last one, um, I have a commitment from from one of my my former colleagues to, to be part of uh, a teacher forum uh, that we're going to have on here in the, in the future. I went here on one more, and then I'm going to ask Julie, who's the one to suggest maybe to recommend people, and we'll see how that works out. So be looking for that. We will be talking, I think, about the Ukraine war and some of that shortly, uh, and anything else that comes up. But today was the focus on on Trump and what has happened to him in 48 hours, and over the next few weeks, are going to make a huge, huge difference. The one key point I want to leave you with before I let you care make any comments is the, this what Merrick Garland said and what uh, the AG of New York said yesterday. No one is above the law. I don't care what you want to think. Unfortunately, Eileen Cannon briefly had the former president above the law because he was a former president. And look what happened to Gerald Ford when he put Richard Nixon above the law because he didn't want to send uh, a, a former president to pr prison. And what Nixon did is so small in comparison. Your thoughts, Karen? I, I think at this point, I want to see, I want to see there be accountability for somebody that felt that they were above the law and somebody that's always been able to sort of pay their way out of accountability. I would like to see that for once. And I'd like, I feel like that will sort of help. I hope will help bring the country together and that people that can see that, you know, we, this is not okay. What he did, it was none of this is politically motivated. You can't do the, these sorts of things. You can't make up a lie about an election to be the winner, you know, and do it out in the daylight. You can't just take classified documents that have, important information about other countries and about our capabilities and our sources you can't you can't not pay your taxes you know like if you have all this money you do have a responsibility to pay taxes on the money that you make you, you don't exactly. get to just live free in this country walk around and stomp on the heads of the people that are are the workers that are the backbone of this country so I'm I'm very hopeful that one, two, three, four, five, all of them, all go the right way for accountability and justice for the country, not for one person. Yeah, and I think that we have to have this accountability, not just for our sake, but for the world's sake, because democracy is in danger throughout the, the world, and. We may not have the best, have the have the great, perfect system, because there is still income inequality that's beyond belief. But at this point in history, there's nothing that's worked out better for people and had more people be successful. We have tried to be, do great things. Are we there? Nowhere near. But we are trying, and we're trying, and we need to look at ourselves with a critical eye. You know, you can go out and say, for instance, Warnock has been saying, uh, Walker has been saying that uh, Warnock it says this is a bad 
we're in the country's in a bad spot and everything. And he's that he's a divider. While Walker says, "I'm a uniter." Well, you're not. We need to have a a real uniter. Whether that'll happen or not, I don't know. Well, thank you, Karen, for for being here again. I do love having having you as the co-host. I thought that was a great idea, well over a year ago, and it's it's gone forward really well. I got to got to thank listeners because we had uh, one of the largest uh, listener things a couple of uh, podcasts ago, and we have some good ones since then as well. So I appreciate that. Tell other people about it. It's you know we're out there. We're we're going to ca- talk about the hard things. And we're going to talk honestly about them, and do other things. So God bless you. God bless yours. God bless us and keep our troops wherever they are. God bless the Ukraine and keep them safe. And I think that's about it. Goodbye, all.